It's been really cool this weekend on social media seeing everybody posting pictures of their moms and telling sweet stories about them. So many different kinds of moms from so many different walks of life. And it's nice to see it all. Um, There's been sweet pictures of mothers who are still actively involved trying to raise little kids. Like I see pictures of Kelsey, you know, her trying to do her workouts and and also teaching and and, uh, taking care of those two little children and thinking about how busy she is being a mom and all that she has to do. And then there's there's other moms that have maybe older kids. Uh, Amy was working at the yard sale yesterday and at the very end, her mom come walking in to kind of peruse the the wares that were for sale. And it's always good to see Amy's mom and knowing how Amy's grown and can take care of herself, but her mom is still actively involved supporting her. And then of course, there's the, the mothers that have grown old and passed away and people posted pictures about them and their memories of their mother and how much they'd meant to them. And then, of course, there's also uh, the mothers that passed away too young. You know, I think about Carla Motley that passed away. And, um, you know, that always hits when people celebrate Mother's Day and they think of someone like that that's passed away and it's meant so much. But um, I also think of the mothers that have failed. You know, I listened to a sermon this week of a mother giving her testimony about how she was, uh, didn't, didn't have a mother growing up and didn't learn how to be a mother. And then when she became a mother, she failed. She was scared and she ran away and abandoned her family. And she was giving her testimony about how Jesus had turned her life around. And it was a meaningful thing for me to hear that. And um, I also think about all the spiritual mothers that have been a blessing to people. You know, Kelly and I got married young and we've moved around as a pastoral family. And so there've been a lot of people in our lives that have been like parents to us while we were so far away from our own parents and couldn't be there near them. But today I knew that God wanted me to read the story of the prodigal son. As I was looking ahead many months ago to this Sunday, God placed it on my heart that this was the passage for today. And because as I was reading the story of the prodigal son, and we always talk about the father in that story, and I, it just, God put it in my mind. It's like, but what about the mother? That's what I want you to talk about on Mother's Day. And so I've been thinking about that for months, but what the message was going to be was never clear <laughs> until this morning as I was finishing up preparing. So I want to read through this story with you and make some comments as we go along. This story comes from Luke chapter 11, verse 30, Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story of a man who had two sons, a man and two sons. Where was the mother in the story? Well, first of all, I want to say up front, this is a disclaimer. The Bible doesn't tell us about the mother. And um, so we don't know. We have to speculate. If we're going to gather anything, glean anything, we have to speculate. But I think sometimes that can be helpful. I think Jesus told his story sometimes in a way that left some questions so that we would ask those questions. And it could be that the mother had died. 
You know, we, we know in our day and age that sometimes mothers die early in life before they're supposed to. And certainly that was the case in Jesus' day. You know, something as simple as an appendicitis in Jesus' day could kill you. Today, you just go to the hospital and they take that appendix out and you go on with life. You're back at church the next day. But in Jesus' day, it could be a death sentence. Maybe the mother in the story was not there. Maybe the mother that was in the story was a stepmother. Maybe the mother had died or, and then now the father had married again. And we know in our time as well that there are many mixed families. And there's always that question about how do you relate to those children when they're not your biological children, but they're your stepchildren. Could have been. We also know that Jesus lived in a man's world. And maybe the mother wasn't in the story because at that time... Um, society tended to focus on men and not so much on women. And yet we see a lot of stories in the Bible that do focus on women. And we know that in Jesus' ministry, women were a prominent part of Jesus' ministry. He never shied away from talking about women and stories. And women like Mary Magdalene and, and, and Salome were all very much a part of his ministry. Important people. So I don't think that that was the case, but as we read through the story on this Mother's Day, think about the mother. Going on in verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want my share of the or estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now think about what this son has done. Can you imagine going to your father or to your mother and saying, I got a lot of things I want to do in life, and I can't do them until you die. Would you please just go ahead and give me my inheritance now, before you die, so I can get on with my life? I mean, how rude, how harsh, how mean would that be to say that to your mother? But that's what this son had said. Basically saying, I wish you were dead so I can get on with my life. Now, I wonder what... That's the, the son said that to the father. I wonder what would the mother do? Would she be the kind of mother that would sit there with her husband and put her arm around him and cry with him? Why would our son be like this? It just so hurts our heart so bad. She might have been the kind of mother would said, why in the world did you go along with that? Are you an idiot? You know, some mothers would have been like that. You did what? He, he said what? And you did what? Maybe that was the kind of mother. How would your mother have handled this situation? How would you handle it if your child said that to you? Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now, in this story, it was the son who moved away to a distant land. But I can't help but think of some mothers who have left. Not all mothers have been faithful and true. Some mothers have abandoned their families. And we sometimes think, how could a mother ever do that? How could a mother ever live, leave their children? And you might think a mother could never do that. But I know, I know um, that there are hospitals where there are women that come in who are drug addicted to drugs and they come in and have children and they've been taking drugs the entire time that they're pregnant 
Babies come out of the womb uh, already addicted to meth or heroin and uh, nurses having to take care of the children there in the hospital. Um, and you might think it's, it's a lot of fun to work in a hospital where you just get to cuddle up little babies all day long. But don't try to cuddle a baby that's addicted to heroin for 12 hours and they're screaming the whole time because they're in withdrawal. That's not fun at all. And some of the mothers in those situations are not even there. They're uh, going out chasing that drug because they're addicted. And when you're addicted and you're enslaved like that, um, you'll do things you never thought you would do. And some of those mothers do. But the sinful longings of the human heart that draw us away from God affect us, they enslave us, and they affect others as well. And they even affect mothers. And sometimes cause them to turn away from the truth and seek things that they think somehow are going to be better. Verse 14 through 16, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Sin, which seems so attractive at first glance, leads to hardship and poverty and pain and famine. It is significant that this Jewish son in the story finds himself feeding pigs because Jewish people don't eat pork. For them, pigs are unclean. And so no ham, no bacon, no sausage, no pork sausage. But they, and they didn't raise pigs either. But this Jewish boy has sunk so low that not only is he taking care of pigs, he's so hungry he would even be gladly eat the pig food. That tells you how low he's sunk. Those who are enslaved to sin will sink lower and lower and lower until they are doing things that they never thought in a million years they would do. Maybe that was once you. Maybe that is you today. Is it time for you to come to your senses? And I can't help but think of this mother. If there was a mother in the prodigal story, what would the mother be feeling to know that her son is off somewhere in a foreign land and had sunk so low that he was suffering like that? Or to even just not know how he was suffering. But you know, when a mother is worrying about her children, they come up with all kinds of thoughts about what might be happening. And then in verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is what repentance looks like. 
People remember Jesus for a lot of different things. We know, we remember him as a miracle worker. We remember him as a person that died on a cross and rose from the grave. And today, even people who don't believe in the miraculous things that Jesus did, maybe they aren't even Christians, but they look at a man that demonstrated such incredible love and they remember Jesus as a man who represented love. But we should never forget that Jesus' consistent message throughout his time on earth was repent of your sins for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is almost here and you need to get your heart right with God. You need to turn away from your sin and get your heart right with God. And that's what we see in this young man. It's complete surrender where he says, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. But he comes to him. And in the father's response, we see what grace looks like. But the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. And again, we're focusing on the father. But I wonder what was the mother's response? Was she right there with the father running out to welcome home her wayward son? Now, we all know the, the truth. If we think about it for just a minute. The father's out there hugging the son. He's making grand statements about having a party and welcoming everybody over. And the mother's inside thinking, oh, great. The house is a mess. And all these people are coming over and we got to feed them and I got to go to the grocery store. And she's thinking about all of this, right? Of course, because the guys, the fathers, we make all the grand plans and, and then the wife has to pick up all the pieces. But is it also possible maybe that the mother wasn't so thrilled to have her wayward son home? Maybe she was kind of like the older brother in the story which we read about in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. He, when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fatted calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. The older son was angry. He felt unappreciated. He'd done all the right things for so many years. He'd done his duty. And I wonder how many mothers often will feel unappreciated because they are. That's why we have to have a day we call Mother's Day, just so we can remember to show them we do appreciate them. But this younger brother, this older son, this older brother, he, he felt unappreciated and he felt superior to his younger brother who had abandoned the family while the older brother had always done his duty. I wonder, did it break the mother's heart to see her older, more responsible son refusing to be happy 
at the redemption of his younger brother. How it can break a mother's heart when her family is divided and her children don't get along. Or maybe could the mother have felt like the older brother? If we're honest, sometimes mothers can hold a grudge. Verse 31, the father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. You had to celebrate. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. We got to be careful that we don't forget. This is an illustration I don't know if it was a true story or if it was based on a true story or if Jesus just made it all up. But in the story, the father represents God. And the father, God, reasons with the responsible son. God reasons with us. Do not be angry with the sinner who returns to God. Do not feel superior. Maybe you didn't abandon your family. Maybe you didn't commit hideous sins that others have, but you're not perfect either. And the same darkness that's in someone else's heart, there's a seed of darkness in your heart as well. And God looks into the heart. Have you as a mother felt superior to others who abandoned their family? Is that feeling of superior, not a sin in and of itself? Are you like the older brother in the story, standing outside, fuming and refusing to come to the party to celebrate the redemption of a sinner who was lost, but now is found, who was dead, but now is alive again? How long will you wait? Jesus doesn't tell us about the mother in the story. A really gifted storyteller leaves a few questions to the imagination for us to ponder. Maybe that's why we're still talking about his stories 2,000 years after he gave them. Jesus also doesn't tell us how the story ends. Did the younger brother remain faithful to the father or did he get bored after being back home and go back out and run off back to his wild living? Some of you are the young, rebellious brother in the story. You are the one who decides how the story ends for you. Did the older brother ever get over his anger and forgive his brother and go into the party? Or did he stay outside forever fuming about how he was right and how he was better than his brother? Jesus doesn't say what happened because some of you are the older brother in the story. And you're the only one who can determine how your story ends. As the father, as for the father and the mothers out there whose hearts are breaking because your children in one way or another have wandered away from the truth, God, the mother and father of us all, knows your pain. He is the father in the story whose heart breaks when his children go astray. Yet, he is longing for their return and quick to forgive and embrace every wayward sinner who comes home to him. So today, why 
Don't you bless his heart and come home to him today. I invite the praise band to come up as we sing the closing hymn together. And as the band is singing, you're welcome to sing with us. Think about how you would respond to God's word to you today.